Friday morning. I'm Dave Rothenberg, and this is the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. We are knee-deep into the NHL postseason right now. Islanders game four coming your way later today at 2.30 here on 98.7. This is a big one. I mean, make no no two, two ways about it. The Islanders need to win game four today. You fall behind three games to one, going back to Pittsburgh, and we could see a short series. So you say, Dave, what do we have on tap today? It's a great question. Uh, Butch Goring going to join us in about 10 minutes from right now. Uh, Greg Wyshynski will help us break down the NHL postseason from ESPN.com. And he's uh, a star of stars. Uh, and we have a giveaway. In fact, let's get to the giveaway now. Uh, an autographed New York Islanders puck to giveaway. Uh, I'll mention it later in the show as well. But but take note right now. Very easy to enter. Text Isles. I-S-L-E-S to 44202. Again, that's Isles to 44202. We'll select a winner at random and send you the signed puck, all from your home for the hookup, 98.7 ESPN. So like I mentioned, the Islanders, uh, they trail 2-1 to one in this series right now. How did it get to that point? Well, it started last Sunday, Game 1 in Pittsburgh. And, well, that was a good start for the Islanders. First period, Kyle Palmieri uh, lights the lamp. Islanders go up by the score of one nothing. A couple minutes later, though, Frederick Gaudreau ties the game at 1-1. Sidney Crosby makes it 2-1 in the second period. And we head into the third period, Islanders trailing 2-1. But it changed because the Islanders started to score. Um, Pajot scores 3-33 of the uh, third period, tying the game at two. And then Brock Nelson gives the Islanders a 3-2 lead. Uh, Kapanen ties the game at three late stages of the third period. But at 16.30 of the overtime, the Islanders got the victory. Kyle Palmieri sends it near corner. Pajot to Palmieri, right of the Pittsburgh. Next shot! He scores! Kyle Palmieri, second of the game, is an overtime winner! And the Islanders take game one this afternoon! Obviously, a very excited Chris King on 10.50 a.m. from last Sunday. So the Islanders take a one nothing lead, and Barry Trotz was asked after the game, did you like how Palmieri and Pajot stepped up in game one? Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I knew that they would. That was one of the reasons that uh, we look at the two trade deadline acquisitions last year, Pajot and and uh, this year, Palmieri. Is their veteran guys are proven, and they usually, when it comes to playoff hockey, yeah, big moments. Those guys that you you rely on their experience, their their character are, is exceptional. And uh, you know, I'm I'm really glad for Palms. Uh, you know, I know he probably put a little undue pressure during the regular season when he when he joined us, but uh, you know. We knew that uh, when the games got tight and you got to go to the dirty areas, uh, a guy like him is capable of, of producing, and he was able to do that tonight. Now, it's a theme of the series now. Sorokin got the start in game one, and he was really good. He got the victory, and the Islanders take a one nothing uh, lead in the best of seven. But Varlamov gets the nod in game two, which I think a lot of people thought might have been curious after um, Sorokin was so good in game one. Uh, game two now, Brian Russ scores to make it one nothing early in the game. You know, Pittsburgh has scored early in, in almost every game of the series so far. And then Jeff Carter, uh, later on in the first period, makes it 2 nothing. Islanders score one goal in this one. Josh Bailey at 14-44 the second period. No scoring after that. And Pittsburgh wins game two by the final of 2-1. to one. Uh, Here is Barry Trotz after game two on the loss. Obviously, the first period, they were throwing a lot of pucks to the net. Obviously, the, the first goal would, would 
we'd like to have back. But uh, I thought we stabilized after, you know, first 10 minutes. And, and at the end of the, the first period, I think the, the chances were fairly even. Not uh, They probably a little bit more on their side. And then I thought in the second period, we did a really good job on the penalty kill. I thought we got a little bit of momentum from that. And I thought our second period was pretty strong for the most part. And third period, we needed more of a push. We didn't get enough push uh, in the third, which was a little bit disappointing. And I don't want to take anything away from the Penguins. They, they played uh, well in the third and, you know, they, they got the victory. So we're 1-1 after two games, and Trotz was asked after game two, how do you fix, and this is going to be a theme of the series now at this point, how do you fix these slow starts? Just come out better. We just got to come out better. There's no magic pill that I can give everybody to take this and we'll have a good start. It, it comes from within. They've got to simplify. They've got to be ready to go. They And I think that I'm sure they're ready to go, but it's just that they've got to, you know, not ease into the game. They got to they got to establish that right off the bat. So it's it's on the room to do that. They know we, we've talked about that, getting, getting off to a good start. Best way you can is simplify your game, get after them, get determined, win your battles. And uh, usually it works out that way. Well, we'll hear from uh, Barry Trotz about the Game 3 start and the fact that they never led in Game 3 in just a moment. But we talked about Sorokin was so good in Game 1, so why Varlamov over Sorokin in Game 2? Varlamov has been our number one goalie for the all year. He's got seven shutouts. He was outstanding. He set team records and he's fully healthy. So we wouldn't be maybe in the playoffs. It wasn't for Varley's performance this year. So uh, that's to me very, very simple. He was, uh, he was very close to being very a hundred percent, but we thought, well, let's make sure that he's ready. Phil felt very confident in uh, Sorokin's ability to come in here and, and give us a good game. He did. And Varley backed it up with a, a, a really strong, strong game as well. Like you said, if you talk to Varley, he'll want that first one back. Any goaltender would want that first one back. And after that, he was outstanding. So we've had two outstanding performances from our goaltenders. So you're right. I can't make a bad decision based on our, our goaltenders. And I will tell you this, there will be a Russian goaltender in the nets for the Islanders next next game. And that Russian goaltender was Varlamov for Game 3, and I don't think he's going to be singing the same song he was after Game 2 about how both guys were so great, because Varlamov was, I think, factually just not great in Game 3. How did Game 3 break down? Uh, Chris Letang, again, the Islanders fall behind early. Two minutes in, unassisted, makes it one nothing Pittsburgh. Islanders in the second period battled back. Scott Mayfield knots the game at 1, but Jeff Carter was a tremendous acquisition for the Penguins. Uh, he scores to make it 2-1 Pittsburgh in the second. Then Jason Zucker makes it 3-1. Islanders fight back though in the third period down 3-1 Cal Clutterbuck uh, nets his first of the postseason uh, to make it 3-2 and then Anthony Bovillier uh, ties it at 3 554 off the power play but then it's Jeff Carter again Pittsburgh taking a 4-3 lead Clutterbuck ties it at 4 at 14-17 of the third period Islanders had all the momentum but little more than two minutes to go uh, Brandon Tanev scores what turns out to be the game-winning goal, making it 5-4, and that's your final in Game 3. So, Barry Trotz, right after this one, you fell behind again early on. What's going on? We've had to fight back in every game, yeah. You know, you look at the, the goals that they've scored uh, early here. I don't know if there's a whole lot, you know, we can do. That one, the first one was just, you know, uh, the other night was Varley. And then, uh, you know, tonight it was just, it went off our defenseman. Our defenseman either has to block it or, or get out of the way. So it's just, so sometimes there's a little bit of puck luck. So they've got a couple of, of bounces that went their way. So we've had to chase the game. We chased the game all day today. Obviously, uh, I thought we played 
pretty well. They didn't. We didn't give them a lot, uh, but anytime we gave them something, they ended up scoring. That's just uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, you look at, at the game. We even at the end when when Brock has a sort of an open net, they we don't end up getting it tied up again. So no, yeah, I just stick with it. I mean, it's uh, you know they're up two one. We just got to get the next game and then move on. There's a lot to like about our game tonight. We responded. We didn't hang our heads. We came back. We just couldn't. Uh, we couldn't hold the lead. The all-important game four. Now, he says couldn't hold the lead. They never had the lead in game three. And can they take an early lead? We'll find out uh, later today right here on 98.7 ESPN. More from Barry Trotz. Uh, Did you get enough from your goaltender, Varlamov, in game three? I'll have to look at it again. Uh, I just uh, will have to look at it. You know, sometimes uh, your your first reaction and, uh, you know, might not be favorable. But uh, I'm going to look at all the uh, the chances and, and the goals and see what we could have we done. I think it's a very good job of saying, no, we, we did not. The goaltender has to be better. We'll, we'll ask Butch Goring just a couple of moments. I mean, is it time for a change? Do, do they go back to Sorokin later today uh, in Game 4? So uh, Butch Goring going to join us in a couple minutes. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN.com going to join us a little bit after that. Uh, we'll hear from John Davidson on his new role with Columbus. Uh, scary injury with John Tavares the other night uh, in Toronto. So it's a very busy postseason hockey show because it is, in fact, the hockey show. Uh, Butch Goring will join us in just a moment on this Saturday morning. I'm Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islander Islander playoff trivia question. Can you name the Islander legend who has the record with four overtime postseason goals? Back in a flash with the answer. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islanders playoff trivia question. So did you know it was Bobby Nystrom who holds the Islanders record with four overtime postseason goals? And it is the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning right here at 98.7 ESPN. A Butch Goring, number 91, joins us here on the Hockey Show on 98.7. Now, MSG Network's going to have an exclusive post-game show following the Islanders game for today featuring Butch and Shannon Hogan. And then moving forward, Butch is going to be on the call for the rest of the series starting Game five on Monday on MSG Plus, and if necessary, game six and game seven as well. Butch, we appreciate a couple minutes, and I'm I'm sure you're expecting a, a long series with the Islanders trailing this one two to one now, heading into game four today. Yeah, I really felt that it would go six or uh, six or seven games. I mean, these two teams are so evenly matched; they play a similar style, and and so you have to think that uh, you know uh, most teams are going to win one, lose one, and. You know, in this case, uh, you know, it's win one, lose two. So I expect the um, Islanders to, to bounce back in today's game. So, so you, 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 the expectation is they win this game in your mind? I mean, let me ask you this. Is today, and I know you go down 3-1 if the Islanders lose the game today, is today a must win? Like, is it unrealistic to think that they can rattle off three consecutive wins against this Pittsburgh team? Well, the odds would not be in your favor there. Let's let's put it that way. I mean, again, uh, they're so evenly matched that uh, you know to try and win three in a row, you have to have so much going in your in your favor. I mean, uh, everybody's got to be playing their best hockey. Your goaltender's got to be your best player, and and that's not easy to do in nine periods of hockey, especially when you're you know you're looking at the opposition who are, are you know going to play two of those. Uh, remaining three games on home ice, so that 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 would be a, a tough hill to climb. So, 
you know, uh, I think all the Islander fans and certainly the coaching staff for the Islanders, uh, they, they want to even up the series. Oh, we, we know it desperately. So so the game on, on Thursday night, Islanders trailed one nothing, 3-1, 4-3, and eventually lost that one, as we know, 5-4. How important is it for this team later today to come out and take the lead and make Pittsburgh play from behind in this game? Well, I, I, I don't know, Dave, because they haven't done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I mean, all kidding aside, yeah, it's important. I mean, the, the, you know, getting the lead forces the opposition to, to play your game. I mean, the Islanders haven't been able to relax and get into their rhythm. They've been chasing the game since the opening faceoff, really. And, and that's really a, is a tough way to play because, you know, Pittsburgh is a very confident team, and once they get into their rhythm, their flow, um, you know, then they're tough to play against. And, you know, when they get a one or a two goal lead, you know, they tighten up a little bit. And then, so now it's even, even more difficult. So, um, yes, I, I think it would be a tremendous advantage for the Islanders to, uh, to get in front. And, and then, you know, when you're up one, then you have a chance to extend it by two. And, you know, the way the Islanders have been playing so far, they get down one and then next thing you know, they're down two. And now it's a, it's, it's an uphill battle. It really is. And I would think that if there's any team that can't afford to, to fall behind in these games, I mean, listen, the Islanders can score goals, but they're not they're not littered with firepower. So I would think of any of the teams in the postseason, Islanders are probably towards the top, which where they, they really need to score early and, and, and to play from in front, not to be you know playing come from behind hockey. When you listen to Barry Trotz, he talks about his team and how they're built, and, and they need to win 2-1 or 3-2. And as you said the other night, I mean, um, four goals, his team should win. That, that's that's automatic. And so really, I mean, that's what his team's all about. They're, you know, the once in a while they're going to score more than three goals, but for the most part, um, that's 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 how they play. And, you know, the only reason they gave up, I think, a few more goals the other night is because, they, you know, again, continuing to fight that uphill battle. And so you take a deep breath after scoring a goal and you go, okay, okay, and then all of a sudden there's a push from the opposition and, and now you're fighting again. And so that, that's... You know, that's not the way you want to play the game. So for the Islanders, like I said, if they can get that first goal or the first two, now they, they, they get even more confident. They play an even better game of defense. And now the opposition has to start to push. They have to start taking chances. And the next thing you know, they're down three. Butch Goring with us here, 98.7 ESPN. What, uh, do, do you think that, that Trotz wants to kind of clog things up and, and, and turn this into you know a, a lower-scoring series? Or, or do you think he's okay with, you know what, if we win games 4-3 or 5-4, or that's fine with me? Or does he want to push for, for the 2-1 games here? Well, he'll take a win at, with any score, I, I can assure you that. But, I mean, he knows his team. I mean, it, as I mentioned just a little while ago, I mean, it, his team plays its best hockey when, when they don't give up goals. I mean, they, they've been giving up too many shots and too many shots results in, in too many goals. So um, he's, his team his team is comfortable playing a one nothing game or a two one game. And, and again, that that just seems to be their their best game. They're comfortable with it. The opposition gets a little bit frustrated, as I mentioned, and so they sometimes start to cheat. Inevitably, that leads to a two or a three goal lead. So yeah, I, I think in 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 a perfect world is yeah Barry, Barry would like to win two nothing two one because he knows his team then is playing his best hockey. Uh, in between the pipes, uh, we saw Sorokin in game one. They get the victory. Then Varlamov comes in uh, from two and three. And, and I don't think that anyone would say he was great in game three, certainly. What do you think they do later today for game four? Ride with um, with Varlamov or move back to Sorokin? Well, Barry's always been a um, you know, very um, uh, faithful guy with his with his 
goaltenders. And, you know, we've watched over the last couple of years where he, we thought he might make some uh, changes when his team got down. But, he, you know, he, he held fast and, and went with his guy. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure why he went with Sorokin in the first game, whether Varlamov wasn't ready or he had a gut feeling. I don't, don't have that answer. Uh, but I, I, I would believe that he's going to go with Sorokin because Sorokin played really well in, in, in game one. But I think more importantly is Varlamov did not have a good game um, on, on Thursday. I mean, um, you know, he's been spectacular all season. Might be voted the most valuable goaltender in, in the entire league. I mean, that's how good he was with his seven shutouts and his save percentage and everything. And even in the second game when he lit up that that blooper in the first you know minute or so, he was he was great. I mean, he gave his team an opportunity to to win the hockey game. So he's been everything the Islanders uh, wanted him to be all season long. But but he, he wasn't good the other night. And, and the playoffs is a is a funny cat. You know, you you just you can't afford to. To kind of hope he works his way back into the game, and, and that's where the coach has to make the big decision. You know, does he trust that his goaltender Barlamov, that is, is going to be able to bounce back and give him a big game, or does he say, "Hey, what? You know what? The rookie played really well the other night." So that's why they pay Barry Trotz the big bucks because he's going to have to make that decision. Yeah, and and that's a big one. Butch Goring with us, ninety eight seventy ESPN. You at all surprised that that. You know, Sorokin gets the start in game one, plays really well. They get the victory, and, and then he goes to Varlamov in, in two and three. You at all surprised they didn't ride Sorokin uh, after game one? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, Barry has made it very clear all year. Uh, you know, A, has two great goaltenders, but Varlamov is number one guy. And uh, he played Varlamov more than uh, Sorokin. So, uh, again, and watching Barry over the last couple of years in the playoffs, uh, there was no doubt in my mind that, if he was ready to go, uh, that he was going to play Varlamov. And as I said, Varlamov played really good in game two outside of that shaky first goal. And so, again, for me, it was an easy decision for Barry. He's going to go with his number one guy. Now, having said that, now game four uh, offers a whole different uh, bunch of elements and thoughts uh, to think about. So, as I said, um, I'm glad. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I'm glad I'm not the coach because it would be great to be the coach, <laughs> but I'm not. And, and that's going to be Barry's call. Yep. Uh, Barry Trotz, of course, uh, making the decisions with the Islanders right now. So we know that Anders Lee goes down earlier this season. He's after the entire postseason. Uh, have you looked at the first three games this season and thought to yourself, boy, they really miss Lee or or do you not feel like that at this point? Well, I, I, you know what, I, I don't look at it. I, you know, since Anders Lee has gone down, I mean, you, you've watched the Islanders play, and in particular, you've watched Barzell and Jordan Everly. And Anders Lee, you know, in this particular season, uh, really found a spot on that left side with Barzell. Barzell is one of the one of the really good players in the league, but he is not the easiest guy to play with. He's uh, he's very unpredictable, so um, it takes a while to develop some chemistry. Jordan Everly has taken him a couple of years, and certainly Anders Lee this year had seemed to really find some good chemistry with Barzell. And and now really, um, no one's been able to find that chemistry. But certainly, Komarov has been uh, uh, probably the best of everybody that's tried to fit on that left side. So there's no two ways about it that Barzell's line has has missed Anders Lee, and and uh, on the other side, the team has missed Anders Lee. I mean, he's the captain, and he's a very good player. He's a great, he's great. He can score goals. He's great in front of the net. And he brings a physical in front of the net and along the boards and not only the offensive zone, but in the defensive zone, too. So 
I mean, you just can't take out a really good player, a very unique player, and say, well, we're, we're not going to miss him. Yeah, you, you are going to miss him, but you know, you hope someone steps up and, and is able to fill the spot as, as best as possible. So, so you, you mentioned it, and let, let me kind of follow in those footsteps. You said somebody needs to step up. Who? who what, what, what guy do you look at today that, that if he raises the level of his game, it, it increases the Islanders' chances of winning? Who's the guy that has to step up in your mind? Well, well, certainly the Barzell line has to, has to contribute offensively. I mean, uh, you know, they are, uh, you know, supposedly, supposedly the number one line. And, you know, they haven't got a lot done uh, from an offensive standpoint. Uh, you know, Barry Trotz said he thought Barzell was better than he was in game one and two. Uh, but still, you know, uh, that line didn't get anything done uh, offensively. At least they didn't put anything up on the board. And, and the other three lines have been pretty much what you would expect from them. They, they've been able to pot some goals in, and, and the power play got a goal. The penalty killing has been really good. I mean, you're not going to hold Pittsburgh off off the board forever as far as the, the power play is concerned. So I, my feeling is that, you know, the, the, the one line that just, you know, has to find some offense in their game, uh, you know, as, as far as I was lying. And I think if that happens, um, you know, then, then the Islanders are, are going to become a different team, a more balanced team, and, and they're going to score more goals, and that's going to help them. How do you feel like the Islanders have done against uh, Crosby and Malkin so far in the series? I, they, they've done a great job. I mean, Crosby is, you know, a, a, a wonderful player and a, a tremendous hockey player. And, but he, you know, he, he didn't get any done. The Isles were all over him. They were physical. They made it a, a hard night for him. I'm not sure Crosby got a shot on net. And if he did, it was one. And I don't think he got any points. And Malkin was uh, not a threat. I mean, when you look at it, it was the third and the fourth lines for the Penguins that really uh, – were the reason that they that they won the hockey game. I mean, they they, they came through in a, in a big way, and of course Carter with a couple of quick goals. He, and he's on the third line, so I mean, um, so they were getting some some elements going that uh, you know you don't always expect. So that's playoff hockey, though. You, you know, you, you've got to have everybody rolling, and you got to have everybody contributing at some point in time. And so Pittsburgh was really fortunate that they, you know the first and the second line really didn't get much done, but they, uh, they're certainly their third and fourth, bottom six, if you will. Uh, we're very good, as was the Islanders' bottom six. Uh, Butch, I want to give you another plug here before we let you run. MSG Networks will have an exclusive post-game show following the Islanders' game for today, featuring you and, of course, Shannon Hogan as well. And then you're going to be on the call for the rest of the series, starting with Game 5 on Monday on MSG+, and if necessary, Game 6 and 7 as well. Butch, are we, are we going 7? Do you think this has the, the earmarks, everything of a long series? I, I think the, this uh, this fourth game is critical. I, I think that will determine everything. I mean, if the Isles fail to win it, then this series could be over in five. But um, if they can win game four, then then I see I see seven as a, as, as a place that's all get settled. And just the way they played, it looks like it's appropriate. I mean, boy, boy. I mean, you talk about a heated battle last night. I mean, we haven't seen hockey with that kind of intensity and passion and energy and work and going to the dirty areas. I mean, everybody was getting their face dirty. I mean, I just haven't seen a game that good with, with you know, what I call old-time hockey. I mean, I, nobody backed down. Everybody stuck with the program. Uh, Pittsburgh was uh, fighting tooth and nail, and, and, and the Islanders are ready for any challenge that came their way. So I'd love to see this thing go seven because – if that's the way the hockey is going to be, and, and you got to believe there's not a lot of love life, uh, love loss out there right now. So uh, look for it to be uh, another heated battle. As long as they have the energy, boy, they expended an awful lot of energy the other night.
All right, Butch, listen, great stuff. We appreciate it. Hopefully this goes uh, long and for Islanders fans, they find uh, their way to a victory, and we talk to you as they uh, move forward in the NHL postseason. Great stuff. I really do appreciate it. All right, you're quite welcome. Be Uh, well, be safe. All right, thanks so much. That, of course, is Butch Goring. Take a quick break. Come back on this Saturday morning. Greg Wyshynski joins us next to go Islanders and then around the NHL as well. All that coming your way. It's the Hockey Show with Rothenberg right here on 98.7 ESPN. And welcome back. It is the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you, 98.7 ESPN. Let's bring out, I mean, this is a... If you don't know who he is yet, you're making a tremendous disservice to yourself. I mean, Greg Wyshynski, he, he is one of the burgeoning stars here as ESPN really gets back into the hockey game. Uh, he's an NHL insider. He has knowledge all across the world, and, and we're fortunate to have him here on a Saturday morning. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. You, uh, if you don't know who I am, there's a chance you may have yelled at me on the Internet anyway. Um, so it's, uh, it's always good. It's, uh, it's, it's always fun. And uh, I'm very happy to be here and very happy to be talking at this time of year because it's pretty incredible. It, it, it's phenomenal, isn't it? Listen, I'll be honest with you. Uh, hockey, I love hockey, but it's not my favorite sport. Uh, I, I love the NFL. They could play an NFL game at three in the morning and I would wake up and watch and it's just the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but I, I, and I, and I, I argued about this uh, yesterday with Chris Canty, former NFL player, Super Bowl champion. He said, what's your favorite postseason? And I said, I love the NFL, but the hockey postseason is the best. There's nothing like it. Greg, it, it, is, it is unsurpassed watching postseason hockey. The, the difference between a regular season game on a Tuesday night and a playoff game on a Tuesday night, it's like you're watching two different sports. I mean, you know, there's a reason why um, the NHL puts such an emphasis on the Stanley Cup tournament. Um, and there's a reason why hockey fans, when we try to proselytize and, and preach the good book of hockey to, to casual sports fans, uh, tell them, watch a playoff game and, and you'll be hooked. And, you know, the best example of that, I think, was the Florida-Tampa Bay series. Game one of that series, because of the scoring, the chances, the brutality, the intensity between two teams that had never met in the playoffs before this year, um, there were just scores of people in South Florida that otherwise that never watched the Panthers who watched that game one, which might have been one of the best hockey games in the last five years, and all of a sudden were like, I'm hooked. Like, this is awesome. It's the narcotic effect of the playoffs, and it happens every year. You say game one was great. How about game three in that series? Uh, I mean, the overtime win by the Panthers was was unbelievable. Yeah, that, that's been a great series. But I, I want to start here with you, and, that, and that's the Islanders. Of course, game four coming up later today on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, are the Islanders in trouble? I mean, let me just cut right to the chase here. Are they in trouble right now? Yeah, a little bit of trouble. Um, so they still have one move to make, which is to make a, a switch in goal back to uh, Elias Roken, who played well earlier in the series, and then Barry Trotz flipped back to Semyon Barlamov. Barlamov, obviously one of the best goalies in the league during the regular season, but kid played well, you know, and, and, and I think that, uh, you know, it's funny. I was at the Coliseum for Game 3, Barry Trotz is a sainted figure right now amongst Islanders fans. They chanted his name, Barry, Barry, as he walked onto the ice for the beginning of the game. So it was a little bit jarring in in talking to some Islanders fans after the game and just kind of seeing and hearing the reaction to see criticism of Trotz for the goaltending decision. Not only to start Varlamov in game three, but to not give him the hook after the Penguins had built a two-goal lead. So um, do I think they have a chance in the series? I do. I do think that there needs to be a change in dynamic, and especially in goal. 
Yeah, the, the goaltending has been an issue. And the thing, and, I, and, and Butch Goring joined the show a little bit before you, and, and I asked him, were you surprised that they went, um, you know, with Sorokin game one, and then and then he wins the game, and then they go with Varlamov game two. And he said, no, he wasn't surprised. Are, are you at all surprised by that, that you, you start Sorokin, he plays well, you get the win, and then you move on to Varlamov in, in two and three? I'm not surprised because Varlamov is a veteran goalie, and Varlamov had an amazing season to the point where he could be potentially a finalist for the Vezina Trophy for the NHL's best goaltender. His numbers were that good. And so, you know, he's earned the right to get in, um, but I don't know if he's earned the right to stay in if he drops a game, you know? And I think that's the problem with a lot of fans. But look, you know, Barry, this is not the first time Barry Trotz has made a specious goaltending decision. If you remember back when the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, he started the playoffs with Philip Grubauer, who was a hot hand down the stretch, the backup goalie there. Grubauer imploded in the first two games of their series in the first round. And then he made the switch back to the um, to the the starter, Braden Holtby, and the rest is history. Holtby carried the Capitals through a couple series and played really well in the Stanley Cup final. They lifted the cup. So I don't know, man. I don't know who's making a goaltending decision for Barry Trotz, but maybe there needs to be some reconsideration because I think Sorokin should have definitely come in during Game 3. All right, so let me put you on the spot here. Um, do the Islanders still win the series? Well, no, because I didn't pick them to win the series. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought I thought Pittsburgh was a, a shade better. I'll, I'll, to be honest with you, the thing that gave me pause about the Islanders was their offense down the stretch. They just were not putting the puck in the net at all. It had been a multi-week problem. Kyle Palmieri comes in at the trade deadline, and, and his shooting percentage is, is just you know lower than it was when he was with the Devils, and he was already having a pretty middling season. Um, but the offensive thing hasn't necessarily been an issue. I think we can thank Tristan Jari, the Penguins goaltender, for some of that. Um, but the Penguins just kind of look like they're, they're battling through. They're getting plays from guys throughout the lineup when they need them. I mean, like, you know, Tanev and players like that coming through in the clutch. And they exhibited a bit of, of, of toughness in that third period, did the Penguins, that they're not necessarily famous for. They kind of battled through what was you know, essentially a WWE third period uh, in that game against the Islanders. And, you know, I, I, I just thought the Penguins were a little bit better. I still do. And so when it comes to the series, unless there's a change in dynamic where maybe Sorokin steals a game or two, uh, I still think the Penguins are the team that advances here. Uh, Greg Wyshynski covers the uh, NHL beautifully for us here at ESPN on 98.7 ESPN. Um, all right, l- let's go around the NHL a little bit. How does that sound? Good? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I knew you would love that. Okay, so um, we'll go with uh, what's going on today. Panthers, Lightning. Lightning win the first two. Panthers win a game three. Um, do you like the Lightning still to win this one? I do. Things kind of got out of hand for them uh, in game three. Uh, you know, they've not always been the best team on home ice in a spot like this. Uh, and, you know, having Andre Vasilevsky there, you know, who I think is probably the best goalie in the NHL, not have the strongest game. That happens occasionally. I think he'll course correct. The, the difference in this series for me remains the Lightning's collection of players that just have done this before. You know, they've been through battles. They've, they've gone against opponents like the Florida Panthers, upstarts that create their own tempo and really create some problems for the Lightning. But at the end of the day, it's still the team where Braden Point scores, you know, a critical goal in a game one, just like he scored next. Uh, five-overtime game against Columbus in the bubble. It's still the team with Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman. And, 
even the, the supporting guys like Killorn and Palat, like there are just so many players on this roster that you know when the chips are down and they, and they need someone to make a play, they'll make a play. And I just don't think the Panthers are quite there yet as a team, even though they certainly have some impactful players in that lineup. And the future is certainly very bright for the Panthers. Um, really scary moment the other night when John Tavares takes a, a knee to the head and is carted off and it's terrifying and right to the hospital. And I, I don't know if you're going to see him again in this in this entire postseason, to be honest with you, although he is uh, out of the hospital, which is great news. Uh, I know it's only one game. Is Toronto in any any sort of trouble right now? Oh, I think so. I mean, look, uh, it's hard to judge them on game one uh, because of the emotional dynamic of of seeing Tavares not only get injured, but like you said, getting injured in the manner in which he did, where his his body is basically falling limp as he's trying to get up off the ice. And, you know, Nick Foligno, who had the fight with Corey Perry, uh, whose whose knee um, Tavares collided with, uh, said after the game, you know, that's the moment when it, it, you just stop thinking about hockey, you know, and start thinking about human beings and thinking about Tavares as a father and, and things like that. And, you know, when that happens in the first period of a game, it, there's just not co- any way to come back from it. The emotional dynamic is ruined for you. Like, you, you, you're you just thinking about that the rest of the time. And so, you know, with a couple with a day of, of practice, with a, an understanding of what the lineup might look like, you know, maybe things settle down a little bit for, for Toronto. But, you know, from a from a logistics standpoint in that game against Montreal, they got to stop making Carey Price look so good. He made one really good save on Mitch Marner in that game, but there were so many opportunities where they're taking shots and rushing shots without there being somebody in front of, of, of Price to take his eyes away uh, that it, it, they were kind of making it easy on him. And I don't think Carey Price is quite as good as people make him out to be, especially as good as his peers make him out to be in some of these NHLPA surveys they do. Um, I think he's been the beneficiary of, of having an incredible reputation because he played behind Team Canada three times, and I could have probably won at least a bronze <laughs> medal behind Team Canada. Um, but you got you got to do the fundamental things to make it more difficult for him to make what are rudimentary saves, and, and the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't do enough of it in game one. So if I made you pick a winner of that series now with uh, Montreal leading one game to none and we know the injury to Tavares, would you uh, swap out and, and take the Canadians to win that series? No, no. I, I still think Toronto, top to bottom, is a better team. I think defensively they are the strongest they've been uh, in the Austin Matthews era. You know, Montreal is going to be a tough out. Uh, they've got a, a pretty pesky team. Um, and I don't know for sure how this Tavares injury is going to impact the Leafs offense. I mean, the the, the plan is, I believe, to have Nick Foligno, uh, who's a winger uh, by trade, move over to center where, you know, he came up as a rookie like 13 years ago and really hasn't played the position all that much since then. Uh, so I, the, the offensive impact that a Tavares injury will have on the Leafs is pretty palpable, but I think top to bottom, they're still a better team than Montreal and and uh, I, I, I still remain surprised if, if they end up losing the series. Uh, I know we're early on in, in most of these series in the first round of the postseason. I, I, has anything surprised you so far that you've seen? Ooh, surprises. Well, I, I, you know, obviously the, the Jets getting off the blocks the way they did against Edmonton was a surprise only because of how many people they were missing in their lineup in game one. Um, that's a series that I actually, I actually gave the Jets the edge in um, just because I think their depth overall uh, forward is better than that of Edmonton. And Edmonton, when you don't have McDavid or don't have Leon Dreisaitl on the ice, you know, the Edmonton Oilers, I think, only get around 
36% of the goals that are scored. Um, it, they're just not a very good team beyond those two-star players. So I was surprised that Winnipeg was able to win with a depleted lineup. When they do have a complete lineup, I, I think they might be the better team there. Um, and other than that, I, you know, I, I think I w- I've been surprised by how emphatically good in the early parts of their series Colorado and Carolina have looked. And, you know, granted, they're both playing the number four seeds in their division, St. Louis and Nashville. Um, but they've shown that when they're on their game, they're just dominant. Colorado in particular, um, you know, who has been a, uh, a, pretty, a pretty popular pick to win the Stanley Cup from the punditry and also the, the sports books, uh, looks like the kind of team that can just dominate you so much offensively that you look up at the scoreboard and realize your team hasn't has gotten a shot on goal itself in 10 minutes. They're, they're, they're quite good. Uh, you kind of lead me to my next question there. Are, are, are the Avalanche, or you tell me who, who's the best team in the NHL right now? I mean, we've seen a little bit of the first round. Has anything changed with your thought process on these teams? And is Colorado the best team in hockey? I think you'd have to probably give them the edge right now. I mean, obviously they, they won the president's trophy for the best record in the league. They're looking very good against a Blues team that uh, has dealt with a little bit of lineup adversity, not having David Perron, their leading scorer in the lineup for the first two games because he was on the COVID list. So they are playing a little bit of a diminished opponent, but you know the, the way they're playing just screams you know championship quality. And uh, coming into the playoffs, there's probably about five, five or six teams that I thought were on that tier. It's the, the Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Toronto Maple Leafs the Carolina Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning with the Boston Bruins maybe being on the edge of, of that tier. Uh, and I still, I don't think that we've really seen much of anything to change my opinion on that with the caveat that I think we're all waiting to see what impact the Tavares injury has overall on the Leafs. I, I'm confident that I'm right with this, but I just want to confirm since I do have you on the, uh, on the line now, <laughs> the, the, the most points at, when, when we get down to four teams, the, the team with the most points then goes up against the team with the least points and then, and then two plays three. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. For those who don't know, um, it was a 56 game regular season and the NHL realigned all of its teams into four new divisions. It did so because the, of the Canadian border issue where those teams couldn't travel to and from Canada to play U.S. teams. So they had to put all the Canadian teams in one division. And since the Canadian teams stretch all the way from Vancouver to Montreal, uh, they couldn't do a, an Eastern Conference and Western Conference like they traditionally do. So what they're going to do for the first time since 1981 is take the final four teams and reseed them based on their regular season uh, point total, which I think is awesome because, I mean, I'm all for the rivalry aspect of the early rounds of the playoffs. I mean, it's, it's something the NHL thrives on, the ability to have, you know, uh, the Penguins and Islanders playing in the first round. Now we get the Florida teams playing in the first round. Like, those rivalry matchups are great, and, and uh, they never fail to, to, uh, to excite and entertain. But I do love the idea of trying to create a little bit more value in your regular season to then take the final four teams, regardless of geography, and reseed them. I mean, it helps make the regular season more important, and it gives you the opportunity then to have a rivalry matchup for the Stanley Cup. I mean, if Boston and Toronto both make it through, mm-hmm. you could have a Boston-Toronto series for the Cup, which is going to be a hell of a lot more entertaining than, you know, Toronto versus some random Western Conference team like it normally would be. Absolutely. Listen, I could talk to you forever, but but I, I got to run. Great stuff. Let's do this again. We're just starting the NHL playoffs, and we have a long way to run through it. So I appreciate your time as always. Have a, a great day and enjoy all this wonderful playoff hockey. Thanks, Greg. 
Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, there you have it. That is Greg Wyshynski, Hockey Insider, with us here at ESPN. Quick break, come back. We'll hear about John Davidson and his new job. We'll get into the injury with uh, John Tavares and get you ready for the Islanders and the Penguins games 4, 5, maybe 6, and 7 as well. It's the Hockey Show Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you here on 98.7 ESPN. Obviously a huge Islanders game for today. I mean, this is a monster game for the Islanders. You can hear it right here on 98.7 ESPN starting at 2.30. You can make the argument. I think it's fair, and you heard Butch Goring really hammer home this point. If the Islanders lose this game, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a hockey expert to get it. If the Islanders lose this game today at home, lose two games at the Coliseum, it's very difficult to envision that they win three I'm not saying it's an impossibility, but it's very, very difficult to envision. Now, uh, we mentioned it earlier. want to give you uh, the opportunity once again, in case you weren't listening to the show earlier today. We have an autographed New York Islanders puck to give away. Very easy to enter. I mean, really like simple stuff. Let me walk you through it here. Here's what you do. You text ISLES, I-S-L-E-S, to 44. 44- 202. Again, that's aisles to 44202. We'll select a winner at random and send you the signed puck all from your home for the hookup, 98.7 ESPN. So we mentioned it with uh, Greg Wyshynski earlier, and this was just, it was a terrible hit. I mean, the the, the hit and the injury um, that John Tavares took the other night against Montreal, he went to the hospital, he was cleared, he left the hospital, but it was one of those moments of, oh my God, it just, it looks so terrible when it happened. And you have the thoughts, and I know that Islanders fans look back and they don't like the way that it ended, and he came back to the Coliseum and, you know, this pacifier and you mock him and all that kind of stuff. But I would think for the most part, if you're just a human being, that you look at that kind of injury and and you're horrified, right? I mean, you don't like Tavares, that's fine. You don't like Tavares when it comes to legitimate hockey stuff. You don't like the way uh, it ended here with the Islanders. You're not rooting for injury. Nobody was pleased that that happened. And it was a it was a gruesome injury. He took a knee right to the head and then, it, of course, has to be carted off right to the hospital. They run all the, the tests that need to be run. And I guess he, he does check out and leaves the hospital. But we don't know how long he's going to be out for. Out indefinitely. And I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him uh, for at least the rest of this series and if they move on for the rest of the postseason. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, discussed it uh, after the game the other night and the impact of losing a player like John Tavares. It's a big loss for us, but uh, we've got we've got lots of depth. Um, obviously, make a lineup change uh, to adjust to it. Um, but all our guys are just going to have to play better. It's a big loss. It's our captain. Um, good good teams overcome these types of things, and, and that's going to be on us here now. Now, we'll see what uh, Toronto is able to do. But again, we don't know how long Tavares is going to be out. And of course, they trailed that series one game to none uh, against Montreal. And l- listen, in any sport, right, you, you, you'll occasionally see the upset in the NBA. Occasionally in the NFL, you'll see it occasionally. Major League Baseball, you'll see it you know, more often than not because of the, the, the advantage of the pitching. But you see it in hockey. Like a, a four beating a one or an eight beating a one in a normal season is not something that's completely foreign. So you're Toronto. You certainly have to keep your eyes on that one. Um, news, kind of Rangers-esque news. John Davidson, who, of course, they relieved of uh, his duty and uh, Jeff Gordon, he was fired as well. And David Quinn, they moved on from him. Well, John Davidson was not unemployed for long. Uh, he's back to where he once was, and that's with Columbus. He is now the president of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, you know, I think that all Rangers fan. I mean, John Davidson, when you think about the history of the Rangers and you think about 
players that have been just beloved by the fan base. John Davidson is absolutely one of those guys. And I don't think there's a Rangers fan out there that doesn't wish him the utmost of success. And he winds up back in Columbus. And of course, when the Rangers play Columbus, he'll root for the Rangers if you're a a fan of the blue shirts. But otherwise, I think if you're a Rangers fan, you're, you're rooting for Columbus because you do. You have that that affinity and that affection and, and really appreciate what John Davidson did. And, and again, I, I don't think he did a bad job. I, I don't even think the Rangers think he did a bad job. So that firing was very puzzling. But uh, J.D. back with Columbus and he had a message to the Blue Jackets fans when he did uh, decide to take this job the other day. To all the fans of the, of the Blue Jackets, I can remember when I was first in Columbus, we talked about the brick-by-brick brick thing, and we accomplished quite a bit. Uh, the best was when the, when the building was full, and the, uh, the fifth line and everybody else were so supportive that that makes you really want to go to the rink, want to go to the games, and sit there and be a part of the, of the excitement. So I, I just like to say, in coming back, the nose is going to be right down at the grindstone, and again, I'll use Relentless, I'll use Hungry. We, we want to get this thing going. And I also told everybody that I've talked to to this point with our staff, we're going to have fun doing it. we got to enjoy life. We have to, the, the NHL, the hockey world's a wonderful place to work. And now I get to go back with, with a city that's a wonderful place to live. Columbus is a great city. I keep telling people this, and I'm just not saying it. I really mean it. And the other big key, big key, is to have really good ownership. And the ownership of the Columbus Blue Jackets is really good. We as management people get great support. So it's a, it's a nice combination. Really looking forward to it. Well, he wasn't unemployed for long in J.D. back where he got things started with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. All right, so the Islanders trailing two games to one. Uh, let's look ahead for the rest of the series. Of course, game four, the all-important game four at the Coliseum. Uh, that game is today. Three o'clock, uh, 98.7 ESPN pregame gets started at 2.30. Then Monday in Pittsburgh, 6.30. You can catch that game right here on 98.7 ESPN. Wednesday against Pittsburgh, if necessary. And then you could have the potential, the, the greatest moment in all of sports, game seven in the NHL. Uh, that would be next Friday in Pittsburgh. But we are very, very far away from that right now. So there you have it. A another wonderful edition of the Hockey Show. Big thanks, as always, to our recording producer, uh, Andy Frimerick, to Anthony Pusick, who, who does so much behind the scenes and Ray Dinahan as well. Joe Wiz is up next, and then I'll be back with you at 9 o'clock this morning. It's Dave Rothenberg with you right here. It's the Hockey Show on uh, 98.7 ESPN.